Thank you. How's it going, family? How's it going, family? Come on, y'all. Got to talk back to me. No, man, praise God. It's great to be here. And uh, just uh, to be here and to be a part of what you're doing, you know, and it's funny, I can, you know, talk to students, but, you know, it's, it, it's really important to know that we're all students in some way, shape, or form, right? We're all works in progress, right? We are all works of art in progress. And uh, I want to give you some things that I hope in some way will help you uh, and, and, and bless you. And I realize that we're at a moment where I'm standing before you and you are the folks that are going to change things. And so I don't take this time with you lightly. And I want to give you something in the time that we have together and get you back to your classes. And I'll introduce the concept here uh, because the, the Lord just kind of I uh, had some I got a, I got more notes to fill this stage, but, you know, he kind of gave me a directive to do something, talk to you about something slightly different, that it's kind of been the theme this morning. And so I want to honor that, and uh, I believe it'll bless you. And then if you want to talk more, ask more questions, I want you to do that at at the student uh, time that we have, okay? Uh, So, where's my, okay, my clock, okay, praise God. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together. We honor you, we bless you. We praise you, Father, for who you are. God, I just ask you to kiss this time together. Lord, this opportunity, Father, give me, I thank you for wisdom and clarity, insight, God, to relay something that sets these amazing hearts of these students on fire on another level. God, we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So scriptural reference um, is going to be Revelation 7 and 9. And it says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. What I want you to see in that picture is that there was this just multitude of people Every culture, every nation, or actually in the Greek, it's ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnicity from. And every tribe and tongue, so languages were there, multitude of languages. So you notice that even in that diversity, all of this variety, but yet they were saying the same thing. So God does not require that we be like each other. In fact, when we do that, we become weaker, not stronger. Because God placed you in the earth, you are his signature to the rest of the world that, first of all, that he exists and that he's beautiful because you are. So to compromise who you are and who God placed you in the earth to be in whatever skin or however tall or whatever that is, is to do him a disservice. To try to flex and be somebody else. Because if two of us are alike, then one of us is unnecessary. And if we can understand the variety in snowflakes, and I know you can, Minnesotans, and I can from Michigan, if God didn't make one of them alike, then why would he actually lose his imagination when he comes to you? So you are exactly who God wanted you to be. You are his kiss to the earth. And you need to walk in that. 
And you don't apologize for that. You don't ask permission for that. But you manifest the glory of God, and you manifest it when you are who he put you in the earth to be, not somebody else. So when you go to H&M and you go to these stores and they say, be different, but they got a thousand T-shirts that look the same. It's counterintuitive to who you're made to be. God didn't say, oops, when he put you into the earth. So let me talk to you about a concept here real quick. And I got a, there's a manuscript I just submitted. It'll be out August the 20th, they told me, of next year. And it's going to be about around the central idea. The central idea is this. There is a big difference between a Christo, now follow me. There's a big difference between a Christocentric ethno-conscious Christian and an ethnocentric Christo-conscious Christian. Let me say it again. <laughs> I'm at a university. A lot of smart people here. Let me, let me break this out. There's a big difference between an Christocentric ethno-conscious Christian and, a, and an ethnocentric Christo-conscious Christian. Let me tell you. So ethnos, people group. Centric, to revolve around. Conscious, to be aware of. Christ, Christos. It's plain now, right? You got it now? All right. So let me keep going. And again, we can talk in further detail at the student uh, event. But here's the thing. So the whole idea when I talk about being a Christocentric Christian means that Christ is at the center of my life. My life revolves around him being at the center of it, at the core now, I'm also ethno-conscious. I love the skin that God put me in, right? And so I'm conscious of it. And so as I talk about kind of being ethnocentric, it's, it's the people group. So it could be Scott Welch as, as an African-American, Scott Welch as a father, right? Scott Welch as a husband, right? Scott Welch as a son. I am all those things, and God loves those things, but he doesn't want me to get them out of priority, so when I'm a Christocentric Christian, that means that Jesus informs how I'm a father, how I manifest being an African-American male, all that he, mani- he I see that through his lens. So he's not trying to minimize those things because he did it. He's saying, express who you are as an African-American. Express who you are as a dad, as a husband, as a brother. But just don't get it twisted. Everything that I am first of all, bows its knee to the one who set me free. So Christocentric, Jesus is at the center of my life and everything else revolves around that and it bows its knee to him. Now, that's the Christocentric ethno-conscious identity. So let's reverse it and see what type of a train wreck this becomes. When I put my culture or my ethnic group or my music or my neighborhood at the center, my political ideology, my news network, right? My conservative, liberal views at the center. And Jesus becomes conscious. I become conscious of him. So I'm ethnocentric. My people group goes at the center. God is around it. God is, Jesus is around it. He becomes an idea, not Lord and Savior. And what happens is, is idolatry. 
Because idolatry is anything that you need permission from to do the will of God. So I get permission from my political party. I get permission from my friends who look like me. I get permission from my, 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 the, the people in my life. Some of them folks are not giving you the, good, the best counsel. But they make you feel comfortable because you think like them. Or they want you to think like them. But when you actually take back who you are and understand who Christ made you, then you say, Jesus, everything I am bows its knee to who you are. So show me how to be what you've called me to be, what you've made me to be. Right? So when you have this whole idea of being an ethnocentric Christian, all of that, and then God becomes this good idea and a concept, but he's not a person and he's not Lord. And that's how you get where we oftentimes as a church are so quiet in matters of justice. We see things happening in our culture and in our world, and we say, well, let's just have another church service. Uh, better yet, let's have a foot washing service and, a, and apologize and get the goosebumps and then get up unchanged. But it was the politically correct thing to do, but we didn't walk out with different hearts. That's what happens when you put your culture group in the center and have God be a concept. So what I want to encourage you to do is understand that one of the biggest questions that people are asking all around the world is, who am I? But as you've been named the son of God, the daughter of God, when you lead with a Christocentric identity, he's not saying to let go of all those other things. He's saying, just let all those other things be in the right prioritization of where they need to be. He loves the fact that he made you, birthed you into the earth with Polish background or Irish background or German background or, or coming from this particular tribe, uh, this area in, on the continent of Africa or in Central America, South America. He does all that. And the worst thing we could do is try to be like somebody else or assimilate to their culture because God didn't make a mistake when he put you in the culture that he put you in. So I am Scott Welch, a son of God that God made African-American and a father and a husband. I'm all those things. But the only part of my identity that connects heaven to earth legally is my covenant with him. That's the part of me that moves heaven. That's the part of you that moves heaven. So when you try to find simply your power based upon people that think like you or people even that look like you or act like you. It's funny because I think in our nation, we tend to gravitate towards folks that look like us necessarily. But you, do you know that there are people that look like you that aren't in your tribe? You and I, particularly say, if you are, don't have African roots, I'm, my family, it's the Montaquay tribe in Ghana, in Accra, Ghana. But you might come from, your family may be from Italy, a nice, beautiful state in Italy someplace there. You and I, because we've been born again, have more in common as it relates to heaven than you have with your earthly family and I have with my earthly family. But the problem is, is when we get it twisted, just because someone comes from this 
earthly family, we take that as being family, and they are. But Jesus said, who's my mother and who's my brother, but they that do the will of my father. So when Mary and the brother wanted a, a backstage pass to go see Jesus, because all this ruckus was happening and he was, he was kind of, he was doing things. Jesus said, who's my mother? Who's my brother? But they that do the will of my father. So when we get caught up just in our external being, and that's where we derive our identity, we miss the opportunity of reflecting heaven on earth. Some of you, what you have happening in your household and people that are well-meaning, but they're teaching you to just be based upon hanging out with people that look just like you. But we, Paul said, we no longer look after the flesh, but after the spirit. Henceforth, we don't know Christ after the flesh, but after the spirit. So the commonality is spiritual first. So why do I tell you this? I tell you this because it's important in this earth to reflect something different. While people are polarizing because of this ideology, because of this political party, this, this tribe, that tribe, this is God's tribe. Imagine if we act, actually acted like the church. What could we do financially? What could we do if we acted like the church in terms of dealing with matters of injustice? When you see a thing like Trayvon or Philander Castile or people, things like that happening and where the church gets real quiet. But you're the world changes in history makers. And so instead of standing on the side and say, isn't that a shame? Those people really need to do something. When pronouns come into the room, stupidity is not far behind. My expectation of you is like crazy enormous because I know that you have the anointing, the grace, the ability, and God's permission to change the world. But it's going to look different. God's mosaic is not an idea. It's a mandate. We act like it's an option to get together. And to hang out and to love each other and to go across these man-made lines. No, God said you better do it. He didn't say it was an option. If you feel like it, love one another. Please. No, that ain't Jesus. That's our flesh acting like we have options. So what am I... I'm challenging you, but I want to encourage you to understand that the most important identity that you have is who God made you as his son or daughter. It is the most important. It is the most powerful. It's the most relevant. And it's the one that gets things done because you first deal with it in the spirit and then it manifests in the natural. Think about it. He said how good and perfect it is, my dear brothers. When, when brothers dwell together in unity, it's like the oil that ran down the beard of Aaron, even onto his ceremonial garments. The beard in that particular area, at least as I look at it, the beard is symbolic of maturity. And notice the oil is symbolic of the anointing. So notice that the oil, the spirit of God, runs through an atmosphere of maturity. 
And then he said, there I will command the blessing. So what can we derive from that? We can derive the fact that God knows that to actually act across these man-made barriers, it takes a mature believer to do that. Because there's so much pressure trying to push you into your little box of being your ethnicity or, or your generation or whatever that might be, trying to box you in. But boxes are for things, not for people. And if someone puts you in a box, it's always going to be smaller. They're going to try to always create a reality for you that's smaller than God's calling on your life. So what am I trying to help you see? I want you to see that Revelation 7 and 9, it, 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 is, a, it is, a, is an event that occurred because John saw it. But I believe if we're going to change culture, if we're going to change society, it's going to be based upon our unity across the differences that we have. Notice every tribe, every nation, every tongue looking different but saying the same thing. So when they see you, they see his image. When they see her, they see his image. When they see you, they see his image. And guess what? What's really powerful in Ephesians, it says that we can't even discern, we can't even know the breadth and width of God until we do it together. So there's things we're missing out by letting culture separate us. We're Christians. Hello. We're Christians. We're Christians. Well, they don't play the music that I like. They don't dress like I do. They talk differently than I do. And God's like, you're missing the point. The fact that they're different is actually the plus, not the negative. My daughter, I was saying, my daughter goes to a school in D.C., Howard University. H, you know. See, that's, a, that's private speak for only the bisons in the place. But let me tell you a story. And I want to tell you uh, what I experienced. So my wife and I, we went, we went to homecoming because she's also a bison. My son Brandon is a bison as well. I'm the only oddball, by the way. So, uh, so we're at the church service. So Brooks is excited about going to church and I'm excited because she's excited. I'm like, you know, I love my baby girl, loving the word, loving God. I'm like, yes. Okay. This is good. So Barb and I, my wife, we go into church, we go and celebrate the church. We, you know, go and visit. I'm, I'm wanting to listen because I'm a student. So I'm writing notes down. I'm taking notes. And the pastor just, he just did his thing with the word. It was just awesome. And I said, I, Brooks, I loved what I was hearing there. But what was really kind of off-putting me uh, and off-putting to me in a little bit is that I looked at the I went into the to the to the auditorium because I, I try to get away from saying the church because the church is people, not a building. Um, that's a side note. But anyway. So I'm sitting there and we're enjoying the worship and I'm looking around and all I see. That now just so you to set the stage. Howard University is in a place called the Shaw District. Howard Theater is there. It's about 100 years old. And that is, it's an HBCU, Historically Black College University. And so what's happening there is there's just this amazing um, history that they have there. But this church comes in, this, this group of believers comes, they plant their congregation there. And all the staff is white. And all the music they play had guitar at the center. 
Now, and here's the thing. Don't hear that's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's actually a manifestation of God's presence. What I'm saying, though, it's incomplete. So you go into a neighborhood, you're there for a year and a half, and everybody I see on your stage and in the staff doesn't look like my daughter. And though we've trained her and her brother up in many different tr musical traditions, I loved the uh, kind of that grungy, the, 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 the ain't no grave going to hold me down. I was like, come on now, that's what I'm talking about. It was gritty. It was gritty. I was like, now that's, I love that. My thing is, like I said, I don't care what form it comes in, just give me the word. Right? I don't care what genre of music, just give me the word. Change my life. Right? I don't care the genre. Just, I want to be changed. Right? But I was noticing that, so they moved into this, this, this amazing historical district, and they brought their culture. They brought this ethnocentric, Christo-conscious delivery system in music where everybody that did not look like anybody from the stage, it said nothing about we see you. It was as though we're here, you're there, but we're going to do what makes us feel comfortable. So they played song after song after song, a lot of that I have on my Spotify playlists. That's not the point. The point is, is you come into this area without cultural competence and you want to do it in the name of Jesus, but all it is is your culture manifested because it makes you feel like you're wearing a quilt or a warm cultural blanket. So be aware of that. And one of the things I've learned from the faculty here is that they train you guys in a lot of different musical traditions. Why? It's so you can be flexible. And any room you walk in, you're literate, you're competent because you can play this genre, that genre, you can do this, this, and that. That's beautiful. But what they did to where my daughter, where she went to that, that service, I was just kind of mystified because they played nothing that said anything else then. We are doing what we believe is right and you got to adjust to what we are. And that's what a ethnocentric identity does. It props itself up as God. And puts pressure on you to bow at its feet. God made you. When he made you, he said that's good. Your shade, your size, who you are, young man, young woman. He made you. He kissed it and said, that's good. You don't have to apologize for being in the room because Jesus made the difference. And so when you come to the table, you are, you are enough simply because you're breathing. So to you, for you to try to be, to be anybody else is such a disservice because you make God smile. I train my kids to be completely confident they're Christocentric African-American kids. So much so that we know the tribe that we come from, and I'm getting a crest made of our family. Because you come from somebody. Why would I walk into a room and apologize for who God made me? Then I'm making him look bad and saying, well, you didn't do enough, God. You made a mistake. When you... 
kind of shrink. You don't do God favors by doing that, but you pat the devil on the back. So what I want you to do is I just want you to understand. I want you to manifest who God made you. Your generation, your ethnicity. But here's the thing. Get comfortable in being around people that don't think or act like you. That's why we have a comforter. Because he knew we'd be in uncomfortable situations. And by the way, we all have work to do. It's just different work. It's just different work. But it is work. Because once we name the name of Jesus, we have to change. And on either side of this road called culture, if Jesus is not our primary culture, we're going to end up in a place that is not going to be the strongest. It's not going to be the most delightful. And it's going to, in some way, shrink what God wants you to be. And you've got a lot of pressure through media. I do this thing called the Mosaic Film Experience. It's where we bring people from, from the uh, entertainment industry to help our students, high school, college, middle school now. They solve problems by, creating, by making films on mobile devices. So you go to mosaicfilmexperience.com. It's all there. So we, bring, we brought in my friend who is a producer of Queen Sugar. Anybody know Queen Sugar? So Queen Sugar, uh, who's seen the 13th? That's a powerful documentary you should see. What about When They See Us? Hello. There are, thank you. So my friend Christiana Hooks and Ryan Stevens worked on those films. They worked for Ava DuVernay. So I bring these folks to meet our high school uh, students in Grand Rapids. I bring people from YouTube and uh, the guy, Xavier Jernigan from Spotify. We bring all these folks around. And we do this because we want our young people, these are high school students primarily, we want them to be the best in what they do. Here's the thing. God's mercies are new every morning. Which means that you need to try stuff. If you fail, fail forward. We study them, right? Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, all started out as good ideas and mistakes. But as Christians, oftentimes we take the safe route. But wouldn't it be just like God to put the idea of a new Spotify, of a new Google in the hearts of one of his, hearts of one of his sons or daughters so that you could change the earth, so that you could do something different, so that you, you can hire 20,000, 30,000 people? I mean, it's amazing when I work for organizations, I see they have 300,000 to a million employees. That's like, that's bigger than our city. But here's the point. You're in a learning institution that's teaching a Christocentric methodology to solve problems and to change the world, whether it be through business or music, whatever that is. Don't try to be like the person you heard or the person you studied. Get the wisdom from God to be who he made you to be. How does he want you to manifest the next great idea?
And as you do it, do it in your beautiful chocolate skin. Do it in your beautiful vanilla skin, in your beautiful brown skin or yellow, whatever. Just do it, do it, do it. And know that Jesus himself says, go for it and do your thing. And we'll be there applauding you. Amen. So I want to give you this time. If you want to come up 1135, I know you got to get to class and everything. But if you want to kind of be around the altar just to kind of think about that. And we'll talk more in our next session. But thank you for this privilege and this opportunity to be here with you. Amen. And let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather. God, to just speak your blessing over these amazing, world-changing students. This faculty, this administration, God, the staff that has a heart to serve. God, I just ask that you would just continue to just order our steps. And I, and I ask that you would just cause NCU and the students here and the staff to be known as doing great, awesome, and mighty exploits in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God.